Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145. Your only national based radio show for the Miami Hurricanes. As always, kicking it off with the Dirty Bird up there in the 772. And all the way from the ATL, you know, our boy John Michaels holding it down. And we have a special, and when I say special, not in a bad special way, but a great special way. Special guest tonight joining us is, and both of you guys know, is my favorite player of all time, Mr. Number 75, Vince Wolford. So, Vince, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing tonight? Man, everything is all good, man. Man, stop lying, Charles. I'm your favorite player of all Bro, time. Bro, you oh, no. listen. He is. You, trust me. <laughs> he, he, he living up to the hype. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, nah, you know, I like, to give him, I like to give him some uh, craft every time I talk to him. And you know, much love and respect. You know that, my man. I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> you know, I met Vince coming out of out of high school. And, and you know, obviously, guys, John, you know, Bird and, and myself, we've been going, you know, the OB days and being able to see recruits coming in. And you're looking at these dudes like, man, these are big dudes. And, you know, I was able to and I was fortunate enough to meet Vince and uh, just striked up a, a great relationship with him. And obviously I posted a picture earlier, like 21 years ago, me and Vince just out there on the fence, just hanging out. And, you know, I, I'm actually not, like, I'm not starstruck, but I am starstruck even right now because I'm actually having a radio show that we do with my favorite player, you know, on the show. So it's kind of surreal to me, but it also is, is exciting time. Um, so Vince coming out of high school, out of Santa Lucia's up there, you know, in, in, in uh, Palm Beach County, what made you decide to come to the University of Miami? Well, you know, I grew up a Hurricane fan. So, you know, in my household, my father was a – he was everything Pittsburgh, you know. Um, Pittsburgh College, Pittsburgh basketball. I mean, he was a Knicks basketball. I mean, uh, yeah, he was a Knicks basketball guy. My brother, he's a Florida State football guy. He was a mm. Duke, Duke uh, basketball and – New York Giants football, and I was always I was always a Hurricane. Um, I loved it, the Kentucky uh, basketball. I loved Kentucky, and my uh, baseball team was um, was New York Mets. So you know, I really didn't. In my football, my football team was a Buffalo. I was Buffalo Bills football. You know, my father was there. You know, my my father was a Pittsburgh Steeler, and you know, in our household, we was big football and sports fans. So, but I, I've always grew up you know, looking at the Hurricanes. And I don't know if it was the color or what, but I just remember, you know, always looking at the boys back in the day, like Russell and, and Maryland and Sapp and Ray and all those guys. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I want to be a Hurricane, you know. Everybody knew that, you know, from my, you know, teammates I played with, family, my mom and my dad, everybody knew I wanted to be a Hurricane. So when I got recruited, um, you know, the first first letter I ever got my, my freshman year was Florida Gators, you know. Um, and I was like, man, I don't care about nothing. I want a letter from the Hurricanes, you know, and I went my first year, um, uh, my, my freshman year, my sophomore year and never been, never wrote from the Hurricanes. Never. I mean, I had every letter you can possibly name. You know, I didn't had 
the gold letter from Notre Dame. I mean, you name it, I had it. I mean, I had like five big trash bags of letters that I didn't even open because I was waiting for one. And, you know, my junior year come, and the first letter I ever got from the University of Miami was a letter of intent. And, you know, thinking back now, I think they knew they had me sold up. So it was like, you know, we don't have really have to waste our time on him because he's a hurricane. He's been mentioning that's all he mentioned. He's a hurricane. So my first letter I ever got was my junior year from the hurricanes. And the first and only letter, it was a letter of intent. So um, I just, you know, it was one of those things, just growing up, seeing that you on the helmet and, you know, being in st- staying in Florida, um, you know, coming down south and, and, and playing. It was like the tradition. You know, I fell in love with the tradition. I fell in love with um, the toughness. I fell in love with, you know, when they make plays and they win, they talk smack. You know, that's what I was in. I was, I fell in love with that because the more they talk, the more they want. And I'm really not a big talker, but, I'm, you know, I like that mentality. I like the mindset. So it fit, it, it fit right in with who I was. Um, and that was, you know, basically it was never, it was never a time that, I wanted to be anywhere else than other than the hurricane and enough said, you know, that, that, that was basically how everything, you know, uh, panned out for me being a hurricane. Interesting. You say that because as you're getting recruited and, and it was the same way I wanted to go to Miami, I just couldn't afford it. Nor was I six, two and 330 pounds and could play the one technique, but your time coming through high school, Miami was on probation. They yeah. were dealing with the rebuild under Butch Davis. Even with all that, you never thought about wavering and looking somewhere else, or you just believed in the vision that this program would be back to where it was supposed to be? Man, I never paid attention with them being on probation, what that meant. I didn't care. All I knew, I wanted to be a hurricane. I liked the way they play. I liked the colors. I loved the crowd. I loved everything, you know? So when I seen them boys play and how they played, I'm like, man, that's what I'm talking about. I want to be a hurricane. So I never thought twice about with Butch and, and being on probation and everything that I wanted to go somewhere. I'm like, man, I don't care about no probation. I, I know where I want to be. That's just what it is. <laughs> and like I said, you know, Butch, you know, Butch recruited me and, and Shiano, um, you know, those guys came down, they hung with me and, and it was like, you know, they, it was family, you know, from the first time I met them, it, it they, I felt like they mentality was exactly how my mentality was the way they thought, the way they talked, the way they viewed things. It was just like I knew them my whole life. So it wasn't like I was going anywhere that they talk different or they act different. Like, no, they act how I grew up, you know, the, the university, the, the, the ball players. It's what I used to see. It, everything lined up for me like it was me going to my next family. You know, that was my next stage going to my family. And when I went there, welcoming you with open arms. So, I never had to go to a go through a transition stage where I had to figure people out and if do I fit or how they make me feel. I never had to go through that because only thing only thing we knew was to play football and win. That's it. Nothing else matter. Nothing else matter. I don't care what others said. I don't care what other schools did. It never mattered to us. We was going to play football. And we wanted to be the best doing it, and we're going to tell you about it. Just that simple. And that's where the trend that that was the foundation was laid on that. And when I got there and my classmates and all that, we continued that foundation because only thing that mattered was winning. You know, we didn't need a coach to 
mentor us or tell us what to do. Like, no, we basically ran practices ourselves. The coach just gave us the plays. But, you know, you got guys like Ed Reed and John Vilma, which is coaches on the field. Hell, they knew the playbook at the back of their hand. So all the coaches did was sit back and watch us do our thing, you know. And <laughs> it's very rarely that you see that now in, you know, college. But back then when we, like, and Shano and, and 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 Shannon and Butch and Larry, they didn't they didn't have to control us. They 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 didn't tell us what it took to win. And they man, look at give us a play and let's keep it moving. If you don't want to give us a play, we'll call our own play and we keep it still keep it moving. So it's up to you. So the coaches was the ones left out. It wasn't the players. It was like, hey, either you gonna get on board or you're not, because we know what we're doing. So um, and and that's how we was taught. That's how we was bred, and that's why we won the way because we held each other accountable. You know, coach didn't have to tell us to go to work out or you miss this rep. Like, no, man. You know, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock workouts come around. We was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. We was ready. I mean, we was excited. You know, so our grit, um, I don't think anybody can match the grit that we had. No matter what you threw in front of us, we handled anything. It didn't matter. You know, if we got to go play on the road, okay, that's cool. We go on the road. We turn that, you know, that stadium into a Miami Hurricane Stadium, and we're going on about our business. When you come to the Orange Bowl, you already, once you see us on the schedule, you already know, well, that's an L for this year. <laughs> so yes, we knew people felt like that, So, but we wanted to make sure we imposed our will on them as well. So we wasn't just a name. We backed up that you. And that was, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, Vince, you, you brought up your, you know, your, your teammates and, you know, you look at some of those, the guys that came in with you on the defensive line, like Thomas Carroll and uh, John Square, um, Santonio Holmes, Orion Harris, uh, like you had some guys and obviously you came in right after like the Damian Lewis's and you brought up like Russell Maryland and Cortez Kennedy yeah. and Warren Sachs, like, yeah. like those are great people to follow with, with what you were trying to do as that nose tackle. You know, but you actually had some really good teammates, you know, on that defensive line that kind of embodied what you're talking about as far as far as getting up there and getting it and having that attitude and having that grit. Yeah, we had we had nobody on the defensive line that was soft. And if you were soft, you never seen the playing field, you see. So, um, you know, competition was never a factor for me. You know, I, I never ran away from competition, you know, going, coming in as a freshman. And I had Matt Walters and William Joseph and Jerome McDougal, Andrew Williams, Antonio Thomas. You know, I had all these guys that was there, you know, uh, because I set out those six months because of my grades. So when I got there, I was actually getting there for the Sugar Bowl. So, but, you know, I never, I always knew that, hey, when when I get my time, it is what it is. When I hit the field, I'm going to show you what it is. So, and, you know, when my first year playing, you know, my stats don't lie. You know, when I got on the field, I made plays. Um, but I never looked at it like, dang, why I'm not starting? You know, I never I never was that type of guy. You know, I was always home and saying, you know, I'm going to get my chance. And when I get my chance, I'm going to never let it go. And, you know, my junior year when I got my chance, it was like, okay, once Matt and William left, I already knew what it was. Even with them being there, the amount of, the amount of my playing time, I had more playing time than those guys when they were there. So I didn't start, but the the amount of plays that I played and the amount of time that I was on the field, like you would think I was a starter. So I never thought twice about being a starter. You know, my main goal was always when I'm on the field, I'm going to show you what it is. 
and I'm going to do what I got to do. I don't got time for that. If you put me on the play, you put me on the field for one snap, I'm going to show you what this one snap, what it is. You know, if you put me on there for 50, I'm going to show you for 50. So I always thought every opportunity that I had, I was going to make the best of it. And that was just my mindset, you know. But we had a group of guys, like even our starters, like we had eight guys that can go anywhere in the country and start. I mean, our second string was starters for somebody else. So, <laughs> you know, you just get the nod of being a starter. But, you know, as far as playtime, oh, we rotate like it was crazy because we knew how strong our first and second teams were. So that's why teams had a lot of problems with us because it's like, okay, once the starters are, they think they can do certain like No, no. So we made it hard for offenses to game plan, and we, we let them have it. Yeah. What is Will Fork here on the Kane Gang Radio Show, Sirius XM Channel One Forty Five? Vince, we always have this argument, and you and you talk about eight deep. The two thousand one team, I I don't think it's a debate. And yes, I I look through orange and green glasses. The greatest team that's ever played college football. When you look back over that squad and how special it was, even with as good as Bama's been the last few years, the LSU team in nineteen, can anybody touch that O one team? No, man, no, I don't know. Um, it's one thing about being a hurricane, you know, Bama, the, the success Bama had is unreal. Now I, I give credit where credit is due. What Bama did, what Bama doing, uh, what Florida had did that, that era they had, like they played some football, like you can't deny doing some great teams, but there's nothing compared to the old one team is because what Bama do is Bama big boy, you know, and Bama do whatever they want to do to people and people are afraid of Bama. But see, we would have punched Bama right in the mouth from the start. We would have punched see, him right in the mouth from the start and let him know you could be bullied because with us, the bully get bullied. We are bullies. And we're going to tell you about it. But Bama, it, it would have probably been an interesting game. But, man, look here. Oh, one, we can't be touched. We was too deep. We was too deep. We was too physical. We was too fast. You see what I'm saying? Now, you know, Bama got big boys and all that stuff, but it's like, look here, man, you got big boys and you got certain positions that can move. Man, we had guys to run in every position. We had strength everywhere. So, and then when you did, when you're done dealing with the first team, you got the second team that's rolling around, we're going to punch you in the face again. That's just what it is. So, 0-1 team was the best team that ever was been, ever been assembled in college football. We can debate all day. They could talk about USC all they want, man, be the scram. They could talk about Ohio State. They can be the scram, too. You know, uh, Alabama, be the scram. Like, I don't care who you name. And then what I tell people all the time, too, is, see, we breed professionals. You see what I'm saying? We not just good college ball players. No, when we get to the league, we have a career. We have a career. We have longevity in the league. So what we pipe out of Miami it's hard to do, and it's hard to do it on a professional level for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years. If you just go down and look at the list of all the games and all the years that and the durability that University of Miami players had, you can see our career is longevity. Look, Frank, just stop. Right. <laughs> you know, just stop. I had 13. Warren had up there double digits. Dre had double digits. You, I mean, you go down the list. You're right. You're right. Reggie, Ray. I mean, Mike. Yeah. So you could talk about college. Yeah, we was badasses in college and in NFL. How do you slice it? 
What about that one time when we were, how many we had in the Pro Bowl when we came to Florida? Oh, man. What was it, six? You remember that? Yeah, you, I know you, it was you, you Beeson, Devin. It was basically like 20 guys, 18, 20 guys. <laughs> wow. At Pro Bowl, all pros. So when people want to talk about the University of Miami, well, we well-rounded. You just can't pick one thing and say, oh, it was good, but it was, no, nah, everything we did was good. Everything. So it didn't matter who faced Ask Florida. They they, so they, they, they didn't want to play us because we was too, we was too thuggish. You know, uh, uh, that Spur, he said, we, we don't want to play Miami unless they come play with us. Okay, that's not a problem. We'll come to the swamp to play y'all and silence it. That's cool. We can do that. So we that's never awesome. side away. And then people talk about the Big East. Hey, man, look here. Our talent is our talent. And once again, it shows at the next level. Like, Big East, ACC, SEC, everybody, whatever you want to talk about, it don't matter. We produce at the next level. So you could say whatever our conference was, but guess what? We played the best of the best when it was time for chips. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Vince, so, when you look back on your time at that Miami, I mean, what game or moment really kind of stands out in your head when you think back? Man, you know, I, I think my first year um, playing the uh, Huskies and – you know, they was telling us about the year before how they beat us and stopped our chances of going to the national championship. And I remember it was goal line plays. I mean, they was down there two times and all but both times they went for it. They had all they had eight they had eight downs hmm. and couldn't gain an inch. And I look back at that and I say, you know, they ran the ball red at me because I'm the young guy and they thought they was gonna do something, but guess what? They turned the ball over two times on the goal line. Couldn't gain an inch. And I was a freshman. You see? So I always look at that game because that was the start of my career and what it meant for us. And I think we beat them, what, 52 to 3, 52 to 0? 65-7. We blew their trunk off. So, <laughs> but that game, but you know, it's been so many games. You got to always talk about the Florida State games because every time the right we get together, it's a rivalry. So it's always good. I don't care. We all lost every game up to that point. You know, it's always a good game because it's an in state rivalry. It's Florida FSU, Miami. That's a big deal. You know, so even when we play the Gators, like those are big games, those big deals. You know, and then we go to the conference, you know, Virginia Tech, you know, I always played this tough. Even West Virginia, they played, I like, Everybody always gave us their best. So we was all, we always had a bullseye, always. So we always had to play perfect. We had to play perfect. We can't, we can't make any mistakes. So we know what it's like walking on the field and there's a target. Every single game, it was a target. It was a target. It was a target. And But it's just so many games over the years, the FSU game in the rain. I mean, there's so many, the, the, the Orange Bowl. It, like, it's so many games that you can go like. But it's been so long ago, sometimes I look at online, I go to YouTube and just look at all the things and all the plays I made, and half of them I don't even remember. So I'd be kind of shocked myself. I'm like, damn, I did that? Because it's been so long ago, you know? So a lot of plays, and now getting, even in the NFL now, you know, it's a lot of plays that I made that I don't even know. I, you have to show it to me. Now, I know the big plays, but like, there's a lot of stuff that I've done, but I don't too much dwell over what I did and all that until unless somebody show it to me. I'm like, okay, I did do that. Damn, I did. I can't believe it, you know? <laughs> so so, so it'd be pretty of, cool to go back and look at my old days, you know? So speaking of that, Vince, 
like, and I'm sure you know this. I mean, we're going to transition now kind of to the NFL. Do you remember your first interception and against who? What you want to hear something crazy? This is, this yes. is the crazy thing ever. So my rookie year, hold on. I think it was either my second or third year. I can't remember. So we playing the Raiders at Gillette and somebody hit the, one of my teammates hit the quarterback back and the ball bounced up and I caught it in the air. Right. So I'm young, you know, I'm, I'm stats don't mean anything to me. So we go to the meeting room and I remember the guy named his name is Jarvis Green, LSU guy. So he's talking to our D-line coach. He said, Pep, that's going to go down as a sack, right? He said, yeah, I'm going to try to get it for you for a sack because it was, it, was it was a sack fumble if he would have got it, right? So I didn't think nothing of it because I didn't care. You know, whatever. Y'all big sack guys, do what you got to do. I just, I want the ball. I got the ball. That's what it is, right? So later on in my career, I play. My first interception came from, what is it? It was uh, oh, it was um, San Diego, Phillip Rivers. So yep. I picked him. <laughs> then, like a week or two ago, after that, I go out to Oakland, and I pick Oakland. Right, coming off my Achilles, my tenth year, my eleventh year, Oakland and Gillette again. Mm. I picked that to fill the game. So I started thinking, and I think I had some type of record for the Patriots or whatever it may be. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and look at this game, my first game against Oakland, and see was that a fumble or not. I go back and I look at that game, and it wasn't a fumble. I actually picked it. Mm. You know, so I would have had four. <laughs> I would have had four interceptions. <laughs> but I didn't even think about it because I was like, stats don't mean nothing to me, you know. But, yeah, you know, those moments, you know, it's – it's fun times. It's fun. You know, those things you remember, you remember, you know, how, how it was on the sideline. You remember the fans going crazy because it's a game changer moment. Right. And I'm a big boy. Mm-hmm. Nose tackle got the ball in my hand. I'm rolling. So <laughs> you you can only you can only imagine, you know, and I, I can tell you this, though. Everybody always sit back and say, oh, if I ever get the ball and run with it and I score, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Man, let me tell you something. That's a damn lie. <laughs> <laughs> you get that ball to start running with it, man, it seems like you're running the mile. Right. You don't got time to think about what you're going to do, what dance you're to do. You don't got time to think. Oh, you're trying to get to that bench and get you some air and cool out. So, <laughs> it's a lie. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Nah, no, you ain't. You're going to go to that bench and regroup and get ready to go again. But. You know, but I, it's always good to see a big boy with you know with the ball in his hand rumbling. You know, uh, there's there's nothing better than seeing a than seeing a D no. lineman get an interception, man. I mean, that's Absolutely. that's the most exciting play in football. Absolutely. So I want to go back to college for a second. You you talk about big okay. plays. You took Leon Washington's soul is still somewhere uh, yeah. at, at at old Joe Robbie Stadium when you yeah. hit him. You yeah. hit him like I don't know if you golf at all. Or yes, played baseball. <laughs> you hit that perfect drive, and you don't feel yep. it. You go, "Oh my gosh, smack!" Was that the same thing when you hit Leon Washington? Because <laughs> that dude, oh my god, he was like a lawn dart. The way Man, you planted him on the field. You know, I've always, always said, you know, playing a game. You know, it's a difference from okay players to good players to great players, right? Mm-hmm. Those are differences. You know, in order to be a great player, you have to be able to take chances, 
right? You can't be great in life if you never take a chance. And that's how I played. I played like that when I was in high school and college and pros. I've always took chances. Did it always work out? No. But I won majority of those, you know, and, um, and that play, I knew the play. You know, I knew that the guy was too slow to get down after he pulled. They was too lazy. And I was going to go, you know. And that's exactly what happened. It was a power play. I mean, that's football one-on-one, one of the most basic plays an offense can run. You know, that's the first play you install. Um, it was a power play. It was a power O. And my guard pulled. That center was playing around and got back to me too slow. And then attacker was too slow to hands because he had his eyes on my, my outside defender. And that gap was wide open. And let me tell you something. Let let me tell you, I didn't know if I was going to get the quarterback before or not, but I put myself right in the mesh where if he did hand it out, I'm going to kill Leon. <laughs> 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 and, you know, and that's exactly what happened, you know. And, my whole career, like I said, I, I I had to separate myself from everybody else. And what I had to do was study the game and understand the game. You know, I had to study the game inside the game. And it was times where I picked my chances. Um, I picked my spots. Uh, hell, it was plenty of times in the NFL where, you know, we make up plays on the sideline because of, information I know or what I've seen, I come tell Bill, hey, this is what's going on, and we'll drop a play on the sideline that we just made up. Hmm. So I was always a student in the game, and that allowed me to do so much different things that an average nose tackle or defense alignment can do because I used to read from receiver to one side all the way to the receiver. Like, I took every angle I possibly can do, um, try to steal some type of information. I did. And that's, you know, I solidified my game around that because once you make it to the NFL, everybody's good. What's going to, what's going to make you stand out and be that great player. And those were the chances I took, you know, I took certain plays when I watched film, I knew if they was, they come out in a certain, you know, uh, formation, I'm going to expect this. And guess what? If it's it, I nail them. If it ain't, I'm getting cursed out. That's just how it is. But I was okay with that. I was okay with that, but I, the most, the most chances I took, I won more of them than I lost. You know, I didn't, I wasn't the person that guessed. Mm -hmm. I knew, and guess what? When I go to the sideline and Bill cursing me out and he asked me what was going on, I'll tell him, well, on film, I this is what it was on film. So I took my chance. That's just what it is, Bill. You know, that's fine. Hey Vince, talk talk to me about, about Bill, Bill, and before I did that, someone in in the chat had asked a question. Um, this can be a follow-up. Uh, who was the best defensive player that you ever played with? All right, but I, I want to ask you about Bill Belichick and, and, and you know how that went down. Obviously, you're getting drafted by the New England Patriots. Can you talk a little bit about Bill Belichick, and, you know, about his character and his demeanor and what it's like playing for, for him? Man, let me tell you something. When I say Bill is a godfather, <laughs> he, you talk about Mr. Football, that's Bill Belichick because – he don't allow you to get away with anything. I'm talking about we study everything. We make we look at every film. He go to high school. He put up high school film. Like, man, it's been times where, you know, we go into the game and, and our opponent got a late stretch and they got this quarterback in. Nobody know of. So all of a sudden, Bill pulling out 
clips when he, when he was in high school was did and or he was at this JUCO. This is what he did at the JUCO, this is the type of player. So when I tell you we we never lacked information, we never lacked information. Wow. Oh yeah. And and my career, you know, I was a defensive tackle. You know, I was a one shade, I was a two eye and I was a three at University of Miami. Bill is the one who turned me into a nose tackle. And we sprinkle it because of uh, my athletic ability, things I can do, other nose tackles can do, you know. And now that I look back, I can see the progression every year of him doing something totally different with me, different with me, different with me, different with me. And I just changed the nose tackle game, you know. And then now he moved me from nose to a five technique. Now I'm playing the end. So Bill always knew once he learned more about me and understand I'm a student of the game, he trusted me more to do more things with me. And Bill knew I was always that safe factor. Hey, if anything fell, Vince, you got it. You, you, you got to do this, or you got to sacrifice, or you got to be home. Like, it was times where I have five guys rushing, and I just stand at the line because I'm I'm the spy. You know, I let, I let all my teammates, let them go at it, go do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about no rush lanes, don't worry about nothing. And I got the quarterback. So, Bill, you know, that was one of the things Bill always said. Hey, I'm going to keep you out there on third down. You control the pocket. If he breaks, you got to run. That's just what it is. Okay, coach, ain't no big deal. But that that allowed us to do so many different things with the talent we had, and we utilized everybody that we possibly had all our pass rushing because now we don't have to. they don't have to worry about rushing three yards, four yards, five yards, and coming back. No, you just let it happen. You do whatever you – your best move, whatever it may be. I don't care if you want to run to the goalpost and back. You do it because I got the quarterback. Right. But Bill only trusted me because I proved to him and I showed him that I could handle that role. And I'm telling you, my career wouldn't be what it's been in the NFL if it wasn't for Bill being a no-sack. Your career, the ultimate goal for every player – and I've had a chance to talk to Warren and many other guys working in the NFL and doing radio – is getting that gold jacket. And I wrote down a list right now. Uh, Frank Gore, Reggie Wayne, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Calais Campbell, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, and Vince Wilfork. Do every one of you belong in the Hall of Fame? I know you belong, and I hated that that Reggie's still waiting. Um, should every one of you be in where Miami really is Hall of Fame you and you pass every other school for the most Hall of Famers? Well, I'll tell you, about five of those guys are solid. You know, I think Frank is solid. I think Reggie is solid. Devin is solid. Uh, Dre is solid, you know. Now, when it comes to me, it's so hard with me because of the position I played in. It's really not a category. You know, they group nose tackle with defensive tackles. So, there's been some great it's been some great defensive tackles. So, you know, I'm not the one to say, yeah, I belong in it. Now, if you ask me if I was if I was the best defensive nose tackle to ever, yep. Hands down, I'm the best nose tackle to ever played the game. Yes, I am. Now, yeah, right. with defensive tackles, well, I didn't – I my defense didn't call for me to – constantly be a pass rusher or constantly be a shoot the gap type of person like like Warren Sapp. Like Warren Sapp was great at being a defensive tackle. You see what I'm saying? So I I pay homage what homage should do. Now if I get in, cool. If I don't, cool too. Because it's the category is different for me. You see what I'm saying? Now Calais and all those, we have to wait and see. You know, now I don't know his numbers off hands. I can't tell you Greg Olson, I don't know. We got to see, but that, you know, when you talk about Hall of Fame and all that stuff, you talk about being the greatest of the greatest. You see what I'm saying? So if they had a position for no second Hall of Fame, absolutely, I should have been first battle. 
but I know I'm going against other great defensive tackles, and they group the nose tackles in. So, but at the end of the day, UM gonna get at least five of them solid. Like no, it's it's no like solid. It ain't no questions about it. So we gonna these next four or five years, we gonna be having one every every year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you you did though get nominated and and you are being inducted later on this year into the mm-hmm. New England Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I got inducted into New England Hall of Fame uh, first ballot, <clears throat> and uh, I I do that September twenty fourth and twenty fifth. So I'm I'm New England um, Hall of Fame, and then you know I had the NFL Hall of Fame. I, I made like the first two rounds or whatever this year, but right. you know I'm a realist. You know, if I get in, I think it's gonna it's gonna take a while. I honestly think it's going to take a while. Um, but, you know, I I never once played the game to be a Hall of Famer. Never. I played the game because I loved it. You know, whatever comes with it, it comes with it. I played the game because I bled football. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love the camaraderie. I love my team. I love, the, you know, the game itself. So I was born to be a football player. So whatever comes with that comes with it. I won't shed a tear. I won't be upset if I never make the Hall of Fame. That's cool with me. It ain't gonna stop my living. Like right. it is what it is there, you know. But yeah, to just to be talked about some of the greatest, being part of some of the greatest that ever played the game, and that alone means a lot to me, you know. Well, screw that. Every time you come up as one of the finalists, I'm banging the drum on morning radio here in Atlanta. <laughs> Get my boy in. Did you tear your Achilles, Achilles here in Atlanta? Because I was doing yeah. – I did sideline radio for the Falcons for a decade, and if I remember yeah. correctly, you tore it on, I think, a Thursday or a Sunday night game against the Falcons. Sunday night game, I tore my temper. And the crazy thing is I've always said, you know, I'm going to play 10 years in the league and I'm going to retire. You know, that was always my goal. You know, uh, 10 years, I'm done, you know, and – Sure enough, that year my was my tenth year, fourth game of the season, first quarter. And the crazy thing about it is, you know, in warming up before the game, I tell my trainer, I say, Hey man, my tape don't feel good. You know, I say, I'm gonna go through warm ups and see how I feel, right? So I go through warm ups and we standing for the national anthem. My 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 they still was it wasn't right. Cause normally my tape, you know, loosen up and I can move around. It never did. So I remember right after the national anthem, I told my trainer, I said, hey, after this first drive, once I come off the field, let's retake. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, no problem. Never made it. <laughs> first drive, you know, never made it off. And when I tore it, I had no idea what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought somebody hit me from behind, so I, I popped up. I was turning and running, so I, I, I planted the turn, and bam, fell down. I hopped up and fell again. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> nothing hurt. Nothing had hurt me, nothing. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dang something wrong with my shoe, you know, and they asked me questions and I'm like, man, somebody hit me from behind and just let's, just let's retape it. So I go to the sideline. They're doing all these tests. They're doing all these tests. I say, listen, man, stop all the damn tests and just untake me and just take me back up. I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm completely fine. Right. So they're like, no, well, let's just do a couple of tests first. So they had me where they tried to make me flex my foot and I couldn't. So I'm like, What's, why, why I can't flex my foot? Mind you, nothing hurt me. I don't right. feel nothing. So I saw the doctor, the head doctor, take my hat, my helmet. So I call my helmet my hat. Mm-hmm. He took my hat. And I'm like, hold on, somebody serious, you taking my hat. I said, I don't got a concussion. Right. So they were so afraid to tell me what I've done. They waited to the end of the game to tell me. 
Mm. Waited to the end of the game because they knew, like, I wasn't going to believe them. And I was going to, they, they didn't know if I was going to cut up or what. They, <laughs> they were like, we're going to let us finish this game and we're going to tell this joke what happened. So after the game finished, you know, they, you know, they, they, they put me on the MRI, the x-ray and did x-rays. And the doctor had me put my hand, my finger, by my Achilles. Yep. And when I tell you it was about four inch gap where my Achilles had separated that. And it so, was like, you, you don't hurt? I say, I don't feel nothing. I say, because I walked off the field. Right. It, and it was you, like, you I, may not all the way believe this, but I've torn both of mine. So I, I don't consider myself an expert on Achilles, but I know <laughs> when you were hurt, uh, West Durham is our play-by-play guy, noted college football guy, comes down to me, John, what do you think happened to Vince Wolfork? I said he tore his Achilles. He goes, mm-hmm. how do you know? I said, trust me. I said, because they, <laughs> they started doing the calf test on you where they're pressing yeah. your calf to see yeah. if your foot would flex. I said, his Achilles yeah. is torn. And sure yeah. enough, I hated it for you. As it, You're not my favorite, but you're one of my favorite all time. Anybody that put on orange and green is one of my favorites. And, you know, that was the toughest thing, being a sideline reporter in the NFL. Anytime we play against Miami guys, yeah. I wanted y'all to secretly do well. Right, I mean, right. Vince, just don't hurt Matt Ryan because he's my dude, but get a sack or two. But I knew but you were hurt that day, and it broke my heart. But you know, you know what's so funny? And I tell people this all the time. Every time I played Atlanta, I got hurt. Something was bothering me. I played Atlanta four times, uh, twice in the play, uh, twice in preseason mm-hmm. and twice in the regular season. The two times in the preseason, I had a strained um, quad. Hmm. Okay, both both times, different times, strain quad. They come to New England, my knee. I had a, I had a banged up knee. And then I come down to Atlanta, I tore it. So the four times I played Atlanta, I've all I was all hurt. You know, that's why you don't play Atlanta, right? Yeah, so- I was like, <laughs> hey, I was saying I said when I got down to Houston, I said, we play Atlanta, I'm taking that and be off. Well, so so that was kind of my next question, Vince. You, you, you get traded to Houston, and obviously there's this viral video of you getting out of the truck, and then you going into you know, and you've got them overalls with the boots on. Was that something that was planned, or is that just that's you? That's Vince. That's Mister no. Seventy Five. <laughs> well, when I work around the house, that's I normally have that's that's my working outfit. You know, anything I'm riding my tractor, I'm doing so. I'm, I'm I got my overalls. That's my work gear. So. <laughs> I thought, you know, with with me being in Houston and in Texas, that that was ideal. I said, okay, we got a light practice. I said, let me go on and put my outfit on, you know. And <laughs> and plus, it was one of those days, like you know, hard walking, hard knocks were there. We we in the dog days of training camp. Everybody's down, nobody talking. I said, man, I'm for the bright and brightness mood up. So I came in with my outfit, and when I tell you, it gave us life. You know that that moment. Um, our whole our whole practice turned around. Like our the rest of our practices, it turned around. Like we was we was excited to come practice. But you know, I'm a natural born leader, and I can look at a team and I can tell um, if we need a spunk. I can tell if we need a day off. I, I I can tell, and and I don't have no problem telling my coaches that. And my coaches respected me enough. Billy O'Brien down in Houston and Bill Belichick. If I come to them and say, hey, we need a breather today, you know, they listen. You know, and um, I had a talk with Brian, with Billy O. I said, Coach, we, we might need one. He said, okay. He said, okay. So that's why that day, you know, we was kind of like in sales. It was a soft practice that day because we was kind of beat down and we needed it. And he gave it to us. But that was the best thing he could have done for the team because it rallied the troops. You know, now we got back on track. Now we can get going, you know. 
So I've always was one of those one as a leader. I will always see what's the state of the team, what we need as a team to be successful, you know, and whatever that is, I'm going to voice my opinion. I'm going to try to make it happen. So Vince, I, I do have a non-football question for you, man. Now an aspiring pit master like myself, man, you're, uh, oh, yeah. you're big in the barbecue game now, right? So what's, oh, yeah. what's, what's your uh, meat of choice to barbecue and give me one tip or one pointer uh, around that, uh, around that meat and what I should do. And look at Port Rears, low and slow. Low and Port slow. Rears, I got that, I got that text last night. Yeah. Low <laughs> and slow. Port Rears, low and slow, baby. That's let me tell you something. You can put whatever you want to put on it, you know. But you know, some people like heat. Some people like garlic. Some people like all these different things. So whatever you whatever you want to taste, you put on it. But the key to you know smoking meat, man, is that temperature controlling that temperature, you know. And I'm not one of those cooks like, oh, it's gonna take. I, I can say it now because, you know, I've done it for so long, but I'm not going to say, oh, it's going to take four hours. It's going to take six hours. No, you got to eyeball your meat, and you'll know what the meat let you know what it needs to be done, you know, and you just low and slow. And then, you know, when you're dealing with woods, different woods do, you know, different stuff. You know, it, it, it looks different. It tastes different. Um, So you got to know what's your favorite. What do you want? You know, some people like pecan. Some people like oats. Some people like cherries. Some people like apple, you know, a peach. So whatever your flavor is, you know, and I tell people, you know, fruit wood going to burn faster. So you're going to burn a lot of logs when you're dealing with fruit, you know, but the flavor is awesome. You know, cherry wood is awesome. The smell, the texture, you know. So, you know, that's what I would tell you, man. You pick your wood, the flavor you want, just understand how that wood going to work because you might need more than you think. You can't go out there and say, oh, I got two logs today. I'm going to cook. Nah, <laughs> you need two dozen. <laughs> you know? So. Uh, but it's just all, you know, it's all about temperature and just understanding how you smoke and cook and, and your flavor. Appreciate hey, so, that. So, so Vince, obviously, you know, you, you talk about the different oaks and you talk about the different woods, but none of that matters unless you got some of this stuff on it. It's that. Hey, man. Yeah, man, I, that's not. Listen, this is that secret <laughs> spice dry rub that only Mr. Oh, yeah. 75 can, can get you, bro. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I got a little container that I sprinkled on myself last night, and let me tell you, <laughs> them ribs came out on fire. Like right on point, man. Let me tell you. So I had I made a slab, and I had asked Maria, I'm like, "How many you want?" And I'm trying to hope she's like one or two. You know what I mean? So <laughs> she, she, took a, she took a little bit more than, than I had anticipated, but so now I got a little <laughs> slab in it. I'm gonna have to cook. But but speaking <laughs> of food, man, and, and you and you got into the cooking. But I got to ask, because right. obviously we had somebody on the show, and I know we're kind of pressed for time with you a little bit. I got to uh. ask about the bacon top pasta from Desi. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. For $5, baby, you get a big old, you get a big old plate full of pasta. And let me tell you, that was my food of choice. No matter where you go, I made sure I had $5. I make sure I have five dollars every day. I make sure I have five dollars. Hey, I could be dead bro. You can take all my money, but leave me five dollars. I'm gonna make my and baby. She'll come up on her little bicycle, little scooter, and drop it off. Man, she knew me by my first name. That's right. She knew me by my first name, so I never let her down. Now she never let me down. I got so good. I love baby so much. I learned how to make it myself when I was in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was that good huh like literally it was that oh, good oh man man it was so good man but you know i'm a simple guy man honestly i'm i'm Facts. very simple Facts. You, and 
you know, I'm not one of these guys that like to hang out and go out all the time or drink and party. Like, listen here, man, I can eat regular homemade burgers. I can, you know, I can eat spam sandwiches. I can eat tuna fish. <laughs> Like, listen, man, I'm not one of those guys that need to have a A1 Wagyu every day, every week, you know, or salmon or, or your sea bass. Man, look here, please. I don't got time for all that. That's <laughs> stuff too cute for me. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah, man, fry well, me some fish. I'm good to go, man. Vince is a, he's a, he's a big, is, is it a, is it a, a crappie? You like crappie, right? Yeah, I like uh, freshwater, freshwater crappie. Yeah, spec, yeah, specs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love fishing now. Fishing my thing. That's so my what, do you, what, what do you do like, now you know, on your downtime? Perch. What I do? What are you doing? You do not on your downtime. I know you do a lot of golfing now, and and obviously, yeah. how, how how's that game coming out for for, for your golf? Man, game? my my golf game pretty solid now. You know, but my downtime that's what I do. You know, I golf. You know, if I golf or fish, but I haven't been fishing like I normally because I'm trying to get my golf game um, a certain way. So I spend a lot of time golfing on the range, um, playing 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 golf. You know, I'll, you know, I'll go, I play, I play from the tips, you know, um, and I'll shoot, you know, between 80 and 85, you know, I, I, I play, you know, um, when people come play with me, a lot of people say they number and say, oh, this is what I do. But nah, when they get out there, you're like, oh, oh, the day my bad day. Like, nah, with me, I'm going to tell you straight up, man, I'm honest. Hey, this is what I do. This is what I shoot. And we go from there. Now, if I have a bad day, I just have a bad day. But most likely, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be on point with what I'm telling you, you know. So, but that's my downtime, man. And then and with my kids, you know, just hanging out with the kiddos, man. And being a father, that's it. Enjoying retirement, man. The way to do it. Yeah, man, that's awesome, Vince. Listen, I, I know you're pressed for time, and and I so appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight on the Kang Gang Radio man, Show. My pleasure, and- man. This you know, has been boy, fun, man. guys. Listen, it's been fun, man. Like I, I like to sit down and talk to hurricanes because when I tell you there's no other there's no other school like a hurricane, there's no college out there that's that can equate to what we have and what we've built. And these guys that's there now need to understand how important it is to be a hurricane. Even in your dog years, even in your down years, when you strap on that orange and green and you got that you on your on your head, be a hurricane is special. Amen. Being a hurricane is being a hurricane is way different than being a Trojan, being a Buckeye, being a Tide. That's all great, but we set ourselves apart because of the brotherhood we have and what we stand for. Yeah. You can you can always tell the difference in hurricanes, no matter where you be. You can have a group of Alabama guys, a group of Florida guys, and a group of Hurricane guys. Hurricane guys are going to always stand out. We are just different. Our brotherhood and our love for each other is just different. It's just hard to explain. Only way you'll know what that feels like if you want. And one thing I love about us is, you know, when I got there, we had old heads that used to come out. Cortez and Russell Mallon and Sal, they used to come out while we was freshmen and, and spit game to us. They never act like they was too good to be like they never acted like that. They would always come and break bread with us. It was that brotherhood. So no matter where you went, that brotherhood, man, and even in the NFL, we always have guys that we play against. Hurricanes are everywhere. When we see each other, it's love. Yeah. It's love. So 
it's just a whole different fraternity when you talk about being a hurricane than any other school. That's just what it is. Man, that, that's phenomenal, Vincent. And again, right. we we can't thank you enough for you know taking your time out. And uh, listen, man, wish you all the best. And, and I know you and I'll chop it up, you know, soon. And uh, absolutely, listen, absolutely, man, my man. And enjoy yourself. And again, thank you so much for joining the show. And listen, man, enjoy your retirement. Hit them yeah. links. Hit them. Hit that fish. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll we'll that's link right. up soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, man. I appreciate that, man. It was fun. Thanks, Vincent. Thanks, 75. Yes, sir. That's guy. Y'all listen All to the right. Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM, channel 145, chopping it up with our man, Mr. 75, Vince Woolfork. Enjoyed the time with him, man. What a phenomenal individual. Love oh, it, man. my goodness. Hey, you, you don't get better than that. Like, this is the most fun thing that in, in this business and on this program is just getting to talk to guys and let them tell stories. You know, Vince, oh, yeah. just, you know, just there are times like I, I've had interviews in the past. You do interviews with guys that give you the two word answer. And it's like, dude, we're, we're trying to get to know you. Vince is a talker and that's great. Tolbert Bain was a storyteller. That's great. Like your guys connections are is fantastic. Like it, this is I'm like a kid in a candy store talking to Vince <laughs> Wilfmore. And how about the how about the Leon Washington story, man, about when he hit him? That's great. Way, way to pull that one up, John, man. I mean, oh, it just, it just knocked him into next Sunday, man. My memory of, 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 as my wife likes to call it, useless information. I remember <laughs> like the Washington game. It's funny. He brings that up. Remember what year that is. It's 2001. That game was scheduled for, I want to say September 14th. That was the year of September 11th. That was the year that 9-11 happened. You're talking about the Washington game? Or you talking about, yeah, game, yeah, yeah, correct. That game yeah. got moved from correct. what should have been September 14th to Thanksgiving week. Fact. We were the first school to cancel the game. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so mm-hmm. mad. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're going to play Washington. Now I can't see us playing. I'm just distraught. Again, not understanding truly the gravity of what happened in New York. I end up getting to go to the game because uh, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go down. I go with my buddy Ross. We do the typical pull up to the OB. I think I, I think we spent 40 bucks a ticket, lower level. Orange Bowl was cheap as can be there. And it's one of the few games I left early that we were winning so, from so much because Ross looks at me and goes, you bought the tickets. I got the dances at Tootsie's. True story. <laughs> and we book it out of the Orange Bowl and get up to Tootsie's. And it's like a 4 a.m. night in Tootsie's. Um, I think I think I got the better end of the deal buying two tickets at 40 bucks. I'm sure. Then he did. <laughs> At Tootsie's, but that was one of those nights. I mean, you don't want to talk about ass whooping from the uh, literally when they got off the bus, they had no chance. Yeah. So did you stay for halftime by any chance, or did you yes. stay? So I was there till the fourth quarter and then I got out of there. So here, here's a, a great story. For somehow I got selected to go run on the field with this Maroonie Auto Nation oh. challenge thing. <laughs> I got to strap on a helmet. And I had a race against some other guy. So what they did was it was kind of like oh, a little no. obstacle course on the Orange Bowl field at halftime, right? That's awesome. So you, you did like a – I think you had to do like a 20-yard sprint. Mm-hmm. You, you came back to the end zone. Then you – no, I'm sorry. You started off with a 20-pound sled. You got right. to push a 20-pound sled, and then you dropped the sled. Then you had to run to the 50, oh. do a couple cones, and then it was a mad dash coming, you know, like a sprint all the way to the end zone. And there was like a tackling dummy that you had to tackle. Right. The guy I was going against, first of all, the helmet didn't fit me. So mind you, I have a small head. My mm-hmm. head fits a six and seven eighths hat on a fitted hat. Oh my hat. goodness. I got a small head, right? head. Bro. So anyway, listen, I'm six foot tall. I, I, I wear I wear a size nine. So anyway, right? So, so do so, I. I actually wear a size nine, which is <laughs> so ridiculous. 
I'm going against this guy that's got to be 245. So right off the rip, we're pushing this 25-pound sled. Like, I'm probably on the 5, and he's probably already at the 15. So he's already dropped his sled, and he's going through the obstacle. I was probably on the 35-yard line by the time he was on the 50 coming back. Mm. I literally dogged his ass down and beat him by five yards. Oh, my goodness. And the, the crowd went nuts, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I ran, like, listen, I, I ran track. I was pretty fast. But, you know, you know what it is, John. You know, you're trying to push a sled as a young, like, a, a small body kid. And I probably was 145, 150 right. at that time, right? Um, so, yeah, that, that was during that Washington game. And then I actually, we, we sat in the end zone. Um, Portis had a, a touchdown. Shockey had a touchdown in the end zone. We were just hanging out in the end zone. Just, Portis did the jumping jacks. Yes, correct. We were sitting right there when that happened. And so that, that was a great game. But, you know, I talk to Vince on a regular basis. We text back and forth. And, you know, you cannot find a, a bigger human being with such a big heart and right. a, a humble individual. You know, he is one of the most amazing people just to be around, you know. And and I've been fortunate to have a relationship with him for for. Shoot, 21 years, man. It, it's yeah. unbelievable. The part you know, that's telling, you know, because I've I'd never met Vince. I've seen him in passing at NFL games and when he played for the Patriots. Obviously, anytime he played the Falcons, I'd see him. And it, what I said is very true. Like, we'd play other teams. I'm like, as much as I hate Jimmy Graham, I kind of, you know, hope he has about <laughs> 10 catches tonight because he's really good. And I always wanted Vince to do well. Um, the telling part where we just talked to him, when I asked him about the Hall of Fame and he just goes, yeah, whatever. If it happens, it happens. Like there are a lot of guys that this is all they care about at this point. And Reggie Wayne was the same way. I met Reggie in 2016. I don't even think he had retired yet. And we and I was like, dude, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he goes, hey, you know, it is what it is. And I met him again in 2019 when Radio Row was here in Atlanta. And he remembered me and he comes up. We takes pictures doing the U. And I said, dude, it's almost your time. And he goes, hey, you know, it's gonna it, when it happens, it happens. And when we were up at uh, the All Canes party here in Atlanta, I said, "Dude, are you getting in?" And he goes, "Man, you know, I'm not. I'm not concerned. It'll, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be." There aren't a lot of guys like that. Yeah. And Vince was just like, you know what? If I make it, I make it. You know, if not, so be it. Yeah. What are you gonna say, Bert? No, no. I was just actually earlier gonna give a shout out to um, you know, to all the guys that have been watching on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, Dave Levbarg, uh, Better yeah. Duck, Jason Sanchez, our boy Colorado Kane, uh, and TC. Thank you guys for uh, for participating. Everybody watching on Twitter as well too. I just want to, you know, I know there were a lot of questions coming in, but uh, you know, we were all just. Uh, I think we all had probably you know ten more questions right. we wanted to ask Vince, so we weren't able to to squeeze everybody's in there, man. But uh, just wanted to shout those guys out and uh, just thank everybody for tuning in. Well, and that's the thing, John, and you know that's right with radio. When you're having guests on the show, mm-hmm. you got to be kind of limited to, you know, right. what what the amount of time you have with those guests. Obviously, we you know, we went over a little bit with him, but you know what? He was in his, in his kind of, you know, elaborating type, you know, conversation. Right. So I'm not going to break that up, you know. So I thought we actually did a really good job asking, you know, great questions, sprinkling a little bit of fun in there, you know what I mean? Um, it's funny. Got my we barbecue talk- tips. Bro. Yeah. So Low and slow. <laughs> Bro, I literally, I, I actually sent him a picture of that last night, me making that slab of ribs. And I said, what do you think? He said, low and slow. Yeah. I am not good with the long cooks. Like, I've got an egg upstairs, and I know there's a lot of extra things you can do with it. Dude, I throw some steaks on there, and I get it to about 420, maybe about 400. Let it cook. I get the nice thick cut of meat, and that's it. I'll cook burgers, wings on there. I don't know how to do the the long cook, like the, uh, the burnt ends and the, and yeah. the, you know, where they're doing stuff four or five hours. I don't have the patience for that. Well, I, my rib last night, I won't eat. 
Yeah, my ribs last night were about two and a half hours. You know, like I, I get the grill super, super hot. Then I, I turn it down. I, I put foil on it. I, I put the ribs. I cut them in half a little bit. So I'm cooking over direct heat, kind of a medium for, you know, good 35, 45 minutes. You know, um, I flip it over and then I go to indirect heat and mm. I just push them off to the side where there's no heat on them. But right. if the heat's, you know, flaming on the other side, I just I keep the grill closed. I have a nice little Weber. You know what I mean? So it just, it cooks thoroughly. I go check out and every now and then, but man, that I'm telling you, this dry rub that Vince gave me. So I don't know it. if you guys had a chance to listen to my podcast, state of Miami pod. I just put it up today. New one. You know, I, I, I had a little fun with it, but I had a revelation that happened yesterday and I meant to text you guys, but um, you know, I, I've always talked about, I'm coming down for the Bethune game. Like that's in the works. Correct. But now it gets to be a JM solo trip. Because oh, I'm backed out, so I, I'm, I'll probably do a Friday through Sunday deal. It's Labor Day weekend. Um, I can't be gone the whole weekend, but I'll come down and hang out. You know, go to the Bethune game tailgate. I won't get to the stadium as early as you do, Co. I'll, I'll be a little <laughs> bit later. But I found something great. We're at the pool, and her friend Yami and their family's over, and we're talking. And they go, and Yami goes, "My birthday's September something," and she goes, "I really want to do Miami the week of September 10th." So all of a sudden, the light bulb clicks for me. I go, hi, you want to go to Miami September 10th, do you? Southern my Miss. Wife, my wife goes, yeah, can we can we go down and spend the weekend in Miami? Sure. And I, go, I said, you know I'm going September 3rd. And she goes, well, I don't want to go to that anymore. I want to go down with them and go, you know, party and do whatever. And I said, uh, you know if we're in Miami, I'm going to the game on September 10th. <laughs> I guess it's the Southern Miss game. Yeah. I, I don't even know who we play the second game. It doesn't matter. I think Southern it's Southern Miss. Miss. That's so, so now there's a really Frank good Junior. Yeah, there's a really good chance I'm coming to the first two home games. Nice. And then I entered John Ruiz's <laughs> raffle to try to win tickets to that Texas A&M game, which so, if I win those, um, then I'm going to the first three games, and I'm going to need to borrow money from Co because I know he's a big money guy on this show. <laughs> Are you really looking just for tickets? I mean, will you sit anywhere? For Texas A&M? Yeah. No, I'm only going if I win them. And I really need to win the private jet. Because if I fly to Miami twice in a row, yeah. I'm going to – hold on. So let's back this up. <laughs> August 4th, I'm going to Destin for four days with my wife's whole family. So we're driving down there. We've got a huge beach house ever. Two weeks after that, I'm going to Vegas for one of my best friend's 40th birthday. So I'm spending four days in Vegas. Two weeks after that is Labor Day weekend. Then the week after that is the party in Miami. I, dude, I, radio don't pay that much. I can promise you that. Dickie Broadcasting does not pay me enough to make all these trips. Well, that's why we do here on Slam Radio, the 5013C, where it's a nonprofit. And we we work our way, you know, what to just do this show for free. Yeah, yeah that, that paycheck you're getting from the Kane gang there, though, John. That's that's the one yeah. that's going to supplement you. Yeah. You know what it is? But it, it's all the love of getting to talk to these former players that you guys oh, yeah. have a hell of a lot more access to, to than I do. Oh, so. it's all him. Wait, that guy. <laughs> over that way no wait that way listen you know obviously john you know this like you were a big um fan you you went to every game it's about it's about building those relationships you right know? it's about it's about keeping those relationships and, and again obviously and i've had to talk with bird about this like that's why i don't bash anybody you know and again i'm just different right like I, and i don't criticize anybody who wants to if, if you're if you're doing bad you're doing bad I know, but you know what? Like you call a spade a spade, you know, it's not like you're, you're going in on a certain individual. Like if you call somebody out, you call them out. But if you're calling a spade a spade, you're calling a spade a spade. I just felt like 
I built all these relationships with, which is individuals who played at the University of Miami. And here it is again. Like, like I don't know if we can, I mean, if we got the Rock on the show, that might probably be our biggest guest. But like Vince Wolfork on the show is is probably well, no, it is the biggest show that we've had on our show. Right. You know, I, I mean, we've had Santana and and Rocky McIntosh. You know, we've had first round draft picks on our show. But at the same time, like Vince Wolfork is that's that's a big. That's a big name to, to come onto a show. And he doesn't do this for a lot of people. Right. Like I know that for a fact, he does not go on radio shows, but that's, you know, building relationships, you know, and, and like bird bird knows, like I can text somebody or send somebody a message and I'm sure I can get them on the show, but I don't like to ask, you know, I don't, Dude, you know, and, way. and the funny thing was like, I happened to do some work for him. Uh, Vince had called me last week and he needed some work done at his house. And while we were down there, I said, Oh, you know, I had, I had Brett Romberg on the show and he was talking about you about that pasta thing and blah, blah, blah. And he started laughing. And I said, you know, I'd love to have you on the show one day. He's like, let's do it. He goes, why didn't you ask me before? I'm like, I don't want to ask you, man. Like, like we're friends. Like, I just don't want to ask you. And he's like, D man, don't worry about that. If, if I'm available and if I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So just set it up. And I'm like, okay. It's funny. Like most radio people are relentless. Um, and I, I kind of have the same mindset you do. Like Gino and I are pretty good friends. I talk to Gino quite a bit via text and whatnot. I might call him once a year and I could have Gino on our show once a month if I wanted to. Right. I just don't. I'm like, I don't want to oversaturate somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm supposed to have John Ruiz on here in Atlanta this week. Nice. And I talked to him last week and he was like, just set it up. And I started to text him today. I said, I'm going to wait another day. I don't want to seem desperate. Like, Hey, yeah, I want to talk to him. It's awesome. But you know, I don't want to seem that I just have never been that way. The only time I'm like that is Radio Row. Radio Row, when everybody's there, I literally will tell our producers, every Miami guy get their ass on my show. It's the only time I'm a jerk when it comes to that. Cause I that's the time that I can show, like, hey, you know, you, you want to come talk to me and not somebody in Memphis. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm hoping eventually. Like, obviously, as a show grows, as we continue to grow, and I know Slam Radio, uh, Larry and Frank and them when the Super Bowl was down in Miami with KC and San Fran. Slam Radio actually got to go to Radio Row, and right. they they just said it was amazing. So hopefully, awesome. one of the coolest as, things you'll ever go to. Oh yeah, and hopefully as we continue to grow, maybe that possibility you know comes to fruition where you know hey look you know maybe maybe the amigo and says hey co you know do you guys want to come up to Radio Row you know if they get invited I'd right. be all over that bro I, I'd take that trip in a heartbeat you know yeah, and again it it'd be great to have Miami Hurricanes playing in that you know what I mean so. Well, next week, uh, we have SEC Media Days here, which is always big. So I, I'll be looking for any former Miami guy bouncing around and, and try to get him to come on with us as well, if I can see anybody. I think I owe a bet still to Marcus Spears from about four years ago. <laughs> if he comes, sits down with us. Of course, we're playing LSU in the open, and I'm talking trash. We're going to whoop your ass. And he goes, when I see you again, you're wearing LSU stuff. So hopefully he doesn't remember uh, <laughs> at this point. because He's going to forget I, it's been like four years. He's got bigger things, you know, that, that he's not really concerned about me anymore. Well, so listen, we got about, well, obviously we're going, we, we got to about 107. So we've got about four more minutes, you mm -hmm. know, then we have two more segments that we can finish up. We're supposed to have uh, our boy Mondo on later on this week. Okay. Um, he, he's back from vacation. So maybe we can you better bring some croquettas, man. I always see that uh, he's always posting them, man. Well, he better have his Tito's and Red Bull in his cup when he, when he comes on. He will, because every time he's on social media, he lets me know. Mondo and I text all the time. Like, that's my dude. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he, I think his wife got mad at him because he got too tan. So we have to remember that, you know, because he's okay. taking pictures with his shirt off when we got to commit to Wayne. 
I think he got too tan while they were on vacation. So we'll ask there, him about that. There's such thing as too tan? No, because I actually I got a nice little tan yesterday, and I need to get back out there. Man. So let me ask you this. So I'm sorry, but I don't want to cut you off real quick. Go ahead, go ahead and make your statement, Bert. I'll, you know, I'll, well, I was going to say, actually, we've, we've been going to the beach here, and I made the mistake. And I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty, like, pasty white dude here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I made the mistake of applying the sunscreen at the beach. Uh-huh. So I got home, and I'm like, man, like, this 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 stand feels weird. And I take my shirt off, man. And I'm not going to show you all on here, man. But <laughs> I totally messed up, and I've got, like, stripes where the Oh, uh, no, you the got the Josie Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Remember when Joe had the, he was on the broadcast, the big white, he had the glasses. I, my, my wife looks at me, she's like, you look like a mana lantern, like in, oh, uh, like in Portugal Virgin. I'm like, oh man. So, so here, here's the key me. to that. I will put down, I'll usually, and I've got a good tan. I, uh, growing up in Florida, I, I always kept a good tan. I'll get the bronzer. I'll get like the yes. SPF 30 bronzer. Correct. And put a nice lathering of that on there and you'll get some color. Yeah. Uh, it might be red the first time, but as it, you it move blends. forward, yeah, the next it's couple of blends. times you, you go tan, it'll, it'll definitely get you a little bit darker. John's so, like, I'm not tan, I'm bronze. I'm yeah. bronze. So <laughs> one thing I wanted to bring up, and obviously, you know, obviously Jaden Wayne committed to the University of Miami. Right. Um, huge, you know, again, but speaking to Vince, Vince, I was talking about, like, what do you think about this guy? What do he goes, where's our beef at? Right. He goes, who's going to play the, the one tech or the two tech? He goes, right. where's our beef at? He goes, I don't care how fast you are and how quick you can get over the edges. Mm-hmm. Where's our beef? And, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, you look at Leonard Taylor, right? Right. He still hasn't really shown me anything. You know, he's still a baby. I say a baby, but he's still only an 18-year-old kid. Right. He was a number three recruit in the country coming out of high school. Would you look at him compared to looking at Vince coming out of high school? It's a different type of era, right? It's, it's yeah. different, but it's also, you know, Vince was talking about the depth. He had the luxury of being able to sit really for two and a half years before he had to come in and be a starter. Leonard has to be a starter this year. Like there, yeah. it's him, and I think Akeem Mesidor will probably start. Uh, that that's got to be your guys in. But you got some depth. You got Jordan Miller, who you know he has some decent size on him. He's and got a lot of size. He just haven't lived up to it. Correct. Hopefully, uh, with the new coaching staff, it, it would mean something. Leonard to me is got to be the Warren staff, the three technique. And what the three is, it, that's the guy that's your penetrator. That's the guy that's going to play in between the guard and the tackle, uh, outside shade of the guard, inside shade of the tackle, uh, and and really get after him. That's the guy that you say, go get upfield. Remember what RJ McIntosh did a couple yeah. of years back? Go get up the field. We don't care if they get in behind you, we want you to cause havoc. Yeah. That's what Leonard Taylor has to be. Yeah, because, John, you know how it goes. You look at that triangle, right? you got your nose tackle, and then you have the mic and the wheel. You need that nose tackle to take on a guard in the center either way in order to let your mic and the wheel have free reign to a running back you know, coming out. We just haven't had somebody who can stop the run or, like you said, take on multiple blocks to allow your linebackers free reign. I was on a college football show today, and we were, they were asking me about Miami, and we, and we started talking about Kevin Steele. And the guy I was on with is an Auburn grad. And he goes, look, I'm going to tell you now, when Kevin Steele, things get tough, he brings more. And he goes, there's not going to be disguising coverage. He goes, Kevin Steele's going to walk up with his defensive backs in your grill and say, get off press coverage and we're coming to get your quarterback. You know, Manny, I, I, I don't know why, Bird. I looked back and started watching some highlights from the FSU game this year. And oh, yeah. you'd see on like third and six, we're 12 yards off the ball. Yeah. You know, Mark D'Onofrio. 
yeah, what the hell are we doing? Like, were we that afraid? So, but John, do you remember Mark D'Onofrio? We, I try not. They, listen, it's I, under it's underscore Onofrio though, because yeah, but you got to remember, right? Like literally, I think it was like on the goal, like like first and goal on the four, and, and the safeties, the, the safeties are like nine yards in the, in the end zone. Dude, I was at the Georgia <laughs> Tech game where we were those god awful orange and green, like orange pants, green type of so awful with the feathers on them. Yeah, we looked like we were had puke coming off our uniforms. Georgia Tech with the triple option, and we've got six guys seven yards in the end zone. Yeah, who the hell are you stopping? I could have lined up my middle school kids. And scored on that. Damn it. The Mets just hit a home run. Son of a gun. Who cares about the Braves? Well, I do. Because I have to talk about it in the morning. So I Well, just say, gosh, the Mets scored again. I'm just glad you're a fan of one Atlanta team. Because you're all Miami, brother. Oh, yeah. And trust me, I hear that every single day. Oh, yeah. You stand you stand in the paint with the best. No, no, no. I do like the Falcons. I mean, I work for the Falcons for a long time. So, I, I like them. So, John, you know I'm a big Braves fan. I did not know that. So, and... I don't follow baseball as much as I used to, but when I moved out from New York back in 1979, um, my grandfather worked at Kodak up in Rochester. He was a lead chemist for them for developing. He came down to Florida, down to Fort Lauderdale, bought three condos on Gold Ocean Mile, you know, blah, blah, blah. He had a heart attack within six months of him uh-huh. moving down here. So he passed away. So my parents, we decided to drive down to Florida for the, for the funeral and we just, we never left. But as I came down to Florida right around 7980. You know, TBS was the only station that we would watch. Yep. And again, I mean, Dale Murphy, Rafael Ramirez, you know, Glenn Hubbard, Claudel Washington, Bob Horner. Like, I love the Braves, man. Right. It was just something about that. And, you know, when I was playing baseball in high school, like 90, 91, 92, then you had the Smoltzes and, and you know, and, you know, Maddox, Tom Gladwell. Bro, it's like, it was stupid. Sid Bream, like, you know, you just, I like the Braves. And, you know, over the years, you know, I just kind of started falling away from baseball more and more because as I got older, I started realizing that baseball was so boring. Yeah. Well, I liked them too because, you know, growing up in West Palm Beach, man, it was the old, the Braves had spring training over at a municipal yeah, stadium, man. Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Over by the, the old, Palm Beach Mall. Yeah. yeah. By, by, the, uh, by the West Palm Beach Auditorium, otherwise known as the Leaky Teepee. Yeah. Uh, that well, place, that was well, a great I, place to watch old NWA wrestling as well. So, it was West exactly. Palm Beach Auditorium. So I, I was, so. I, so, Bert, I lived over here by Sunrise Musical Theater, where that's where we okay. used to watch wrestling down there as well. You know, again, I'm a big wrestling guy, like huge wrestling guy. I don't know. Do you watch wrestling? Oh, my goodness. We just went to um, Impact Wrestling last Friday. They were here in Atlanta at Old Center Stage, which is where TBS used to film NWA wrestling when Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes would cut all those promos. So, Moose uh, is one of their big guys. Quinn Ojanaka used to be an offensive lineman for the Falcons. Well, him and Finn, who I work with on the Brian Finneran, played together. So Finn hasn't been to wrestling since he was a kid, and he Gosh. kind of scoffs at us. So uh, the people from Impact hit us up and said, hey, Quinn played with Finn, and he wants to come in studio. So he came in studio with us, and we talked to him. And uh, Moose was like, dude, I'll, you know, I'll get you guys front row seats if you'll actually show up. So it was Brian Finner and John Abraham shows up from the Falcons. So we're sitting there BSing with Abe, and then me and the other guys from our radio show and Finn loved it. He oh. was like, he was like, dude, this is awesome. So SmackDown from WWE comes comes to Atlanta in two weeks, and we've got front row seats for WWE SmackDown. Nice. Where our whole show's going. So I'm a huge. So who's your favorite wrestler? Who's your all favorite wrestler? All time or all now? time? No, all no, time. It's The Rock. It's not even close. See, I was, I was, I love. I mean, I'll go back. Like, I mean, my favorite wrestler is Sting. 
Love Sting. Oh, nice. Love this character, especially when he transitioned to the black and white Sting. Oh, yeah. Love that. But and the NWO like, was there. Yeah, bro. I grew up with like the Kerry Von Erics and a Rock and Roll Express. Like mm. there was just something about like the Iron Sheik and you know Nikolai Volkov and you know, like that's how I grew up. My dad used to take me to watch these guys, and I got autographs and pictures when I was a little kid with like you know the Rock and Roll Express and the Road Warriors and got birds over there sleeping. But bro, like, you know, obviously, a wrestling guy. Gosh, really. man. No. <laughs> You said that no. very matter of fact. Listen, I'll say my favorite wrestler is Evidence and Joku. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Soon to be. Shout, but, you know, shout out, shout out to my guy. But listen, you know, back then, you know, you talk about you know uh, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Blackjack Mulligan and Barry mm-hmm. Windham, like all those guys back then. Lex Luger, um, and uh, man, Billy Graham. There were so many guys, and Jimmy Superfly, Snuka, Macho. Right. You know, but just those old guys. You know, Ricky, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. Like, man, it was just something about those guys, man. I, so, lo- I, I love wrestling. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, a huge, I was a huge NWO guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would go anywhere to see Hall and that. And I got a chance to know Scott Hall a little bit before he passed away. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page and I are actually pretty Did he pee? <laughs> he lives here. I know that one. Did He's he got pee? a great yoga studio. Um, I got to know Page really well. I used to go to his yoga studio every week. And then it closed down for COVID. And now he's turned it into AEW's kind of like promo area. But. Oh my goodness. I don't watch as much as I once did. It's uh, different now. It's just, oh, it's different. It's just hard. I just yeah. kids and life and everything else. But my girl won the SmackDown woman's title. I love Liv Morgan. Like she is my girl. See, like won- going back, like Trish Stratus and all those oh, yeah. people, like, like back then it was different. like someone bringing up junkyard dog. I mean, there's so many Coco beware, like bro, like there's Birds so many it. people. I saw JYD at the West Palm auditorium in like 1987. 1986. I also think I saw Stevie B in concert at the old West Palm Beach Auditorium. Yeah. A little Spring Love. I didn't know this one. went to Santa Lucia. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you remember? Do you remember this guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> like, Bird's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing like oh, that. Awesome. It, and, and just a character. So, like, Bird, hold up. What year did you graduate from Santa Lucia? Well, so I grew up with everybody. That, that went there. I went to an I went to an alternative school and we know for, for high school. I went okay. to I went to Krista McAuliffe Middle School with Vince, okay. but my wife actually graduated from Santa Lucia's class what of two thousand. Alternative school did you go to? It's called the Debaco Academy. Never heard of that. Yeah, it was. A it's kind of a debacle. For, uh-huh. <laughs> well, you were into some trouble. A little bit, man. Yeah. yeah. The bird used to ruffle some feathers back in the day, man. What can I say? <laughs> Who didn't? See, I remember going yeah. to Lickworth Beach uh, where they had that little turnaround. Oh, and that was our hangout spot in like 1991. Skip day, a, man. That's, that's where we always used to skip school at, dude. Man, well, Friday, night, Friday nights, that was a spot to be. I remember an altercation we had with a group dude. and a, a buddy of mine took a parking curb and threw it through somebody's front window. Yeah, um, that sounds yeah. about that's that sounds about on par for Lakewood Beach. Remember the, the the pizza joint they had there, NYPD Pizza. Yes, there was nothing like going to that beach as a kid mm-hmm. and taking down a slice at the end of the day and, and a nice cold Pepsi with it, man. Like, and I know we're all spot. over the place for people that are watching on YouTube. Hey, this what, we're, <laughs> we're unscripted, unscripted, unfiltered, and unapologetic. And this is what it usually ends up happening at this time. I I had this conversation with my wife about the beach. We went to Hilton Head two weeks ago. My mom lives in that area, so. But to pack up my 13-year-old, my 17-year-old, my wife, my mother, who's 70, and myself, we had an entire SUV full of crap. Tents, chairs, towels, 
they packed like six coolers full of food and water. And of course, I'm the only man. So I've got stuff like strapped over me, carrying stuff in. The good days for us at the beach was simple. My mom would give me five bucks to go to the pizza place. She'd give me a towel and you had a boom box. Yes. That was it. You oh put God. on Y100 or, or 99 Jams. Or, or you dropped in a cassette tape. <laughs> that was it. Or you popped in a cassette tape, and you maybe had an extra set of batteries just yep. in case. Yep. Uh, but that was D's. it. D like, batteries. What? Oh, yeah. You, and you had to have about 14 of them. Damn, D batteries weighed 35 pounds. What happened to those days? Like, you can't go to the beach with just a towel and a radio now. No. You so now everything's on your phone. It's, it's simple. It's, you know, you got something attached to your, your keychain that has, like, you know, Bluetooth audio on it. You know what I mean? It's simple. Yeah. Listen, the greatest thing that they've made for the beach that we just got is a chair that you make that folds up and it has giant wheels on it. Uh So instead of lugging all that stuff through there, everything fits in there. Dude, you put everything in there and you pull this thing behind you. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest invention ever. We're living in the future and it's never been a better time to be alive. We used to like obviously the link for that. Fort Lauderdale Strip back then, back in the days, you know, again, you're talking about spring break, you're talking about the Fort Lauderdale Strip. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing like going down the Fort Lauderdale, like the elbow room right there. There was so much to do down there at the Strip. Was know, it and Penrods? Penrods was there, but I saw so many concerts. But the cool thing was, like, when we were in high school, like, again, you, you go to the whole, like, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby with the 5.0. Like, you know, there was a bunch of, like, convertibles. It didn't matter if you knew anybody. If you saw somebody in the convertible and you're standing on the Strip, you right. just jumped in the back of their car and rode with them. Yeah. Bro, you do that like, now and you get shot. Correct. <laughs> was it Peaches yeah. Records was right Peaches, there on Sunrise? On Sunrise. Well, now, oh, yeah. it's, now, now it's a hustler store. So. Oh, nice. Even better. It's upgraded. <laughs> Went from music to smut. There you go. It's been a hustler store since... It's been there for quite know, a while. 20 but yeah. years probably. Let me yeah. tell you, the last time I've been on Sunrise was probably 20 years ago. Jeez, man. Someone says Fort Lauderdale High, 1985. Listen, I went to Boyd Anderson High School, class of 1992. Fort Lauderdale High still there. They kind of rechanged it. I drive by there every now and then. Um, you know, it's, man, Fort Lauderdale right there on Fort Ship, just south of Wilt Manors. Could be yeah. right in the middle of Wilt Manors. Um, man. Palm Beach Lakes High School, class of 1992. Right there Gosh. on uh, 45th Street. and It was a 45th Street Military Trail. That's over there by the Rapids. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, the, the Rapids. Which, by the oh, way, you could... The Rapids used to be four slides, man. I drove by that the other day. There's like 30 slides outside and a line, a line two miles long to get into the place, man. Join the Rapids. Have some fun. Join the Rapids, the Rapids everyone. everyone. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. We all, we all grew up with that, that commercial on Fox 29, man. Bro, it's just it's so far away from me down here. Like, I just, I can't. I can't go up there. Yeah. Just, I go to Palm Beach once a year, if that. And I go, my buddy lives in gardens, and I go out there and play golf with him. Like, this is what happens when you're old. You go to Palm Beach to play golf. Yeah. Again, speaking of that, like, you know, Vince, um, he was telling me because he lives south, but he's really into golf now, man. And he invited me out to go play, but man, I can't play no golf. I don't know how to golf. I want to, I want to see him in the program. Remember like Al Del Greco was an, was an amazing golfer. Could you imagine him? Could you imagine him with putting and just acting like, like, you know, uh, um, like happy Gilmore, go to your home ball, go home. I, you know, one of the good and bad things at the place I work at now, we're in a ton of golf tournaments, which is great because I get to play a lot of free golf at a lot of really nice courses. I'm just not good enough. You know, and a lot of these former athletes, especially the quarterbacks, can oh. just hammer the golf ball. Quarterback, like Joe, punters, like Joe Hamilton, I imagine, is pretty good. 
Joe is okay. Joe and I are about – Joe's a little bit better than me. Um, Finn is really good. He also lives at TPC Sugarloaf, which is a you know million-dollar golf course, and he plays all the time. Hudson, Hudson Mason, who I work with, could hit a long way. Uh, like Dave Archer, uh, you probably remember him from mm-hmm. Arch can hammer the ball. Wes Durham, who we're going to get on this show eventually. Wes is my guy. I'll see him next week at SEC. He can hammer the ball. Uh, but you'll see, I played with Matt Luke, former Georgia offensive line coach, former Ole Miss coach. Ole Miss coach. Yeah. Massacre in the ball at like 50 years old. <laughs> John Daly style. Yeah, just all all girth. Just did you wow. see the body? Did you see the video of John Daly hitting over the um hitting over the interstate the other day into like a, a school? No. Like literally, looks like Tom Hanks from Castaway. He got his big old beard just sitting there and just sitting on top of a mountain, just just stroking it over highways into like this schoolyard, bro. He's my oh, second will- favorite golfer of all time behind Tiger. I will say this, Co, and you're you're getting to an age where networking outside of what you do already, just learn. Go go to a driving range and have somebody, you know, once or twice teach you how to swing the club. Bro, I was on my golf team in high school. Like I played. Oh, no. I, I just not go I'm not good anymore. <laughs> It'll come I've been played in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, obviously, listen, like I can drive the ball. My up and down game's pretty good. I just can't read a green for shit, and, and I can't. That's punch. what she said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't read a green. <laughs> yeah, why you're married? <laughs> yeah, man. So, but yeah, like you know, getting up, getting to the green—that's not really an issue. It's more of, man, you watch some putts, and and Buddy's standing due south, and he puts it, and that thing makes a U-turn and comes all the way back. Like, how do you read that green? Yeah, let's be real. We're we're playing <laughs> we're playing uh, amateur golf. If I get it within five feet, I'm happy. I'm not. I'm not trying to make forty foot putts. Those days, yeah. John, you ever shot at Augusta? Have you ever played there or no? No, I've been to Augusta once. Um, I'm ab- absolutely not allowed to play there. Is I, that a member only type thing? Is that? Is that oh, what absolutely. Is? Yeah, oh, you okay, have okay. to be in there. There's no just oh, hey, yeah. I want to go play Augusta. No, no, no. You have to be a member or you or have invited. to be an invited guest. And uh, let's just say my ranking is not nearly high enough. I, the only reason I got to go. Uh, John Newton, former producer of a radio show I worked on, may he rest in peace. He died a few years back. His family was very, very well off. And one week he goes, dude, would you guys want to go to Sunday at Augusta? And Augusta is only maybe 100 miles from Atlanta, maybe even less than that. Yeah, I want to go to Sunday at Augusta. I had just torn my first Achilles. I literally had just gotten the walking boot off. I'm not exaggerating. The week before we go to Augusta. So, you know, and, and Vince will attest to this. When you tear your Achilles, your, your, your calf turns to mush. Like you just have no muscle down there at all. And it's hard to watch. It takes about, it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of months in a cast and walking boot and everything else. And then it's six months, um, you know, it, it, it's six months before you're really able to get it back after that. Well, now I'm at Augusta and Augusta's all up and downhill. So, if you've ever watched, number one, and if you're watching the video, number one tees off this way. 18 comes in the greens right here, and then number 10's over here, and it shoots down that way. I literally plopped down and didn't move and just watched. Jeez. And that was the year Phil Mickelson won. If you remember the year he hit it out of the pine straw and kind of mm-hmm. hooked it around, he won. And that was Tiger's first major back after Elon had took an eight iron upside his head. So it was awesome to see Tiger back, you know, to see people that probably don't like Tiger uh, that, that wanted to see him. But, yeah, it's you want to talk about hallowed grounds. It is just an unbelievable place. Yeah, it looks like it's yeah. beautiful. You know, obviously, you know, you can watch it and, 
you know, obviously on a nice, clear, sunny day, like, man, that course looks phenomenal, man. Yeah. Now, one of the things, you know, one of the things I know we've kind of got off tangent talking events and everything else, everything that's going on recruiting wise. And Miami is in the mix for some guys later on this week uh, that, you know, could be, you know, new hurricanes. But the five star thing became funny over the weekend. Five star. He was ranked 31st on 24 sevens board. And then literally as the broadcast is going on, CBS drops him to a four star. And then the next thing you know, he's no longer a five star. And I felt really bad for Gabby having he to took so much heat. And it's not his fault. It's no. not his fault. But do you guys buy into the theory of they're really knocking down stars when Miami guys are out there? Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. Me. No, because it's happened before. It's, it's this isn't no. the first time that it's happened with Miami. Well, but but here's my thing. Like, what what if we done to have to have hate, right? Like, because like, you're Miami. A, we haven't been in twenty but it doesn't years. Matter. You're still since Miami. They've been around. Like they You're don't care. Miami. They want to sell subscriptions, man. So what's I think, funnier? I think it was. I think it was a horribly tone deaf move by twenty four seven, where they realized, and it was it was an error with their composite rankings, which right. is equal parts ESPN rivals now on three and twenty four seven. The 24-7 ranking itself didn't change. It's their composite, which runs all four of those together. And they re- realized there was a calculation error in it. Horrible. Tone deaf. Shouldn't have ever happened on the day the kid uh, commits. It takes it out of there. But I don't think there's bias against us. To, to have Alabama, like if that kind of thing was happening to Bama, maybe Clemson to another degree, maybe Ohio State, because those guys have, you know, the rest okay, of the so nation so here's, And we won't be able to know this, right? But what if he did commit to a, a Georgia or an Oregon or an Alabama? Mm-hmm. Does it drop at that point? See, we'll never know that. I don't know. Yeah, you'll never know, right? So I'm not going to say that it won't. But I mean, when with I just think it was funny. Yeah, I just think it's funny the way it happened, right? It was horrible the way it went down. So Abs- what was, absolutely what, what, Let me ask you this: What's funnier? That situation with everybody, you know, getting all riled up, or the whole Zach Wilson, you know, mom's best friend, friend's mom? <laughs> <laughs> There's some great memes on that today. That is a that is a lot of people's uh, you know dreams. So um, it, it's probably funnier the Zach the Zach Wilson one. But I'll say this: um, it, it's bad when a kid's dad came out and Jaden Wayne's dad came yes. out and was like, yeah. "It's ridiculous you did this on the day that he committed." Because yeah. it took away from the story of him being a hurricane. It took on a life of its own, which was terrible. Yeah. Well. Lesson learned, don't adjust your rankings other than when you adjust them all at one time and you offer right. explanations on on something like that. Like, you know, in fantasy football, right? We all play fantasy football. What happens? Sometimes there's stat corrections. Like sometimes right. there's not, but sometimes there's stat corrections. And every time you need an explanation on it, I just think it was it was horribly timed by them. I think 24-7 took a black eye. I feel terrible for, for Gabby, who, you know, we just had on the show two weeks ago, um, David Lake, you know, Chris Stock. I mean, I think those guys do a really good job right. of covering, you know, I just think that their parent company like really stepped in it, you know, and you know, it's terrible because the per- the people that suffered are, is, is the kid who recruited. Right. And, right. It, and it took away from his moment. Right. Um, so that sucks, but. But you know, not all Jay and Wayne. I'll be honest. I do not buy into there's a bias against Miami bird. I kind of go to your thing. It's what have we done to facilitate that somebody is going to hate against? I know 
there's an in there's an in ground hatred towards Miami. But to think that a reputable national organization is going to go, you know what? Every time a Miami kid commits, we're going to drop him a ranking. I they didn't drop Leonard Taylor. They didn't drop James Williams. And those are the two most recent five stars. Well, but but you think about it though, John. Right? One was number three, and one was number ten. Right? You can't drop them that far. But if he was on the cusp of the borderline, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll just slide him a little bit out. You know what I mean? Right. So, but but I get what you're saying. You know, obviously the University of Miami and what Mario is doing is incredible. Like mm-hmm. to be on the on the, on the on the job for six months and you're landing this <laughs> type of talent, but you're still in the in the mix for like Samson or you know Okanola. Um, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the Samson one is pretty close to he's coming, pretty close. Yep. Now again, that's that's not confirmed, but no. that's uh, I've kind of heard that. Correct. But here's here's the most impressive thing that Mario's doing: doing, he's winning every head-to-head battle mm-hmm. with with with, with the people that with the, with, with the big boys. You're you're beating Alabama. You're beating Georgia. You're beating Florida. You're beating Florida State. I mean. Find me one where somebody has has picked them above us. I mean, yeah. Jalen Brown, that was the one. But yeah, it, yeah, but Jackson Howard too to LSU. That was yeah, another but one. Jalen Brown's family said, "Look, it's time to get out of Miami. We've lived I here our it. whole life, and I get it. I want to leave." But, and, and people but, do that. But but John, Jalen Brown's a, he's a nice talent. But you give me someone like Hakeem Williams, right? Like I'm taking oh, him yeah. over. I'm taking him over Jalen Brown all day. Now, would I want Jalen Brown? Yeah, sure. but it just seems like there's, a, there's been too many Miami guys who are just, I don't want to use the word soft, but just never live up to expectations. Here's, Wiggins, what, I'm Mark Pope. Here's what I'm not going to do. I, I'm not going to belittle a kid's talent no, because no. he didn't choose us, period. No, you know, and the thing too is, but John, I don't, again, I can't base my talent off of seven on sevens. Sure, me neither. Because that's what happened with Mark Pope. That's what happened with D. Wiggins. You got Noodles coming in as a five-star guy. Bro, you can't catch a ball. You can't get separation. Like, and you're a yeah. five-star guy? Like, I want the big bodies. And I brought this up, I think, last week. Like, when's the last time we had, like, an Andre Johnson-type body? And, and that's what we're missing. But think about it. You got Jalil Skinner now. You got Elijah Arroyo. You get Riley Williams. Uh, you already got a kid, uh, Reed McKiska or something like that. McKiska, yeah. McKiska. Like, they're building depth. And, like, to Vince's point earlier, like, where's our depth at? We're starting to get that depth. We're going to have four or five tight ends. Are they all going to stay? Probably not. You know, same thing with quarterbacks. We're moving other positions and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Emory, Emory Williams, Jada Rashada. You know, you're going to have Ja'Curry Brown, Jake Garcia. Yeah. You know, there's there's going to be competition now. You know, made yeah. a, and look at the running backs, you know, with, with Rooster and Chaney and, and Trayvon Citizen and Thad Franklin. And, you know, it's just you're going to have competition now. And I'm excited about that. So yeah, it's a culture of competition is what you need in all these positions. So I love the kids that they're bringing in, that they're not, that they're not scared of that p- competition. And John, I agree with you. I'll never, I'll never knock a kid for, for not choosing us. Right. Um, you know, wish him the best. Um, but I mean, I, I will say, keep like, it moving. Yeah. I mean like, <laughs> and it really, it's, it's all irrelevant mm-hmm. until they sign anyway. Right. Correct. Because Jalen Brown could still come back. You know, Jaden Rashada could decide to go to another, you know, he could decide to decommit, right? If we lose two games in a row, right. that we should, you know, like he may say, hey, you know, maybe what, what Mario sold me, he's, he's not as far along as he said he was going to. These kids are finicky, right? Um, you well, know, that's why when you have change. when you have early commitments, it's like your appetizer for dinner. It's just wet, wet in your taste buds, right? But then, yeah. you know, come, come season, you lose two or three games. Ah, you you know better that. keep winning to keep this class up. 
Correct. You damn well better keep winning because if you don't win, you see, know, I think, I think this answer. year you're okay. I think this year you're okay because what you're selling now is you're going to be part of the building block. Yes. But I think moving forward, and I was on Hawkman and Crowder today, and Hawk asked me, you know, what what happens if if they don't win? I said I think this year's okay. You know, you, I mean, schedule's going to lay out. You're going to win seven games if you trip over yourself. It's just yeah. Kind of the, Manny would win seven or eight games with this schedule. It's just fall out of sure. bed and win some football games. But I think even if Mario went just say eight and four, which a lot of us would not be super excited about, the kids this year are going to say, all right, I'm the guy that can help you go from eight and four to 10 and two or 11 and one. The problem would be is if you stack back to back eight and four years, that's when the kids being finicky, they're also not stupid. They all talk. They all understand, you know, what is out there. They look around and go, Bama's winning, Georgia's winning, Ohio State's winning. You're going to have to eventually win. Because yes. then it becomes, uh, what, what did Manny call it last year? The fake momentum in June, the bake sale that was going on in Tallahassee. It becomes that. Like you say what you want. Billy Napier is going to deal with the same thing. He better win some games. Well, Manny, listen, Manny's the king of that. You know, you going in with boats and hoes, you know, you think you're coming in like, bro. <laughs> the pizza at the Nina at the Santa Maria. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't come to the war like boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. And, 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 you, and you crap the bed, bro. You can't, you can't do that. Like, Dude, he showed up. He showed up like he was Tony Montana, and he was really Frank Lopez. Is what he was. <laughs> Somebody came in and jacked his hustle. Now, Mario Cristobal came in as Tony Montana. I'll tell you what. I hate the stinking Diaz brothers. I'm going to no. take them out too. Yeah. But but there's so many other recruits that we're looking at. You know, you look at Malik Bryant, who's going to be uh, announcing soon. Huge yeah. linebacker out of IMG. Um, there's you need to get these bodies. Uh, Aguirre is it Aguirre? 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 There's, Aguirre? Two. there's an Aguero and a, an Aguirre, I believe. Yeah. There's two of them. There's Popo Popo oh, Aguirre, who's yeah. the linebacker, right? Yeah. Raul Popo Aguirre. Yep. And then there's Janelle Aguero. Who's yep. the safety out of Jacksonville? And what about what's that? Uh, ba- Baza, Jaden Bonsu, Jaden Bonsu. Like bro, Jayden. like I tell you, it's you. You just got to stack oh. talent, you know. And again, at the end of the day, if you're winning and you're getting this type of elite talent, other elite talent's going to want to play with you, mm-hmm. you oh, know. Yeah. And, and again, we've been down. Uh, again, I, I always say this: you take away the 17 season because it's smoke and mirrors. Like right. you, you haven't been good. You know, 2013, you had a little decent season. Um, you know, you beat the Gators that year. You know, you had a decent season. But, again, like you struggle with an NC State. It takes like a 70-yard Hail Mary to Philip Dorsett in order to beat, you know, NC State that game. Like, so you have up and downs, up and downs. I want to get back to the That was the year with a, with a tight game against Wake Forest up there too. Right. right? No, that was in Miami where they had those stupid really wide splits. And, yeah. and dummy D'Onofrio couldn't figure out that – Man, they're splitting. He kept widening <laughs> out the defense further and further, and Wake was just running right. I was like, this idiot. And then this the guy. next week they tried it against Clemson, and Clemson had like 73 tackles for loss because uh, the gaps were so wide. They were like, we're just going to shoot every gap, and there's nothing they can do to us. It was the uh, dumbest. D'Onofrio was one of the, the, the biggest imbeciles that's ever coached in college. But he just got a job, right? He just got a. He got a linebacker like, coaching job. Wisconsin? At, at, no. no, I think he was like at like the Eastern no. YMCA and somewhere in Scranton, PA. No, no, he's he at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh yes. Yeah. And, and the funny McCord. thing is, so Tyreek Tyre- McCord said, I'll, "I'll pray for y'all. <laughs> yeah. I'll pray for y'all." That's it. 
Tyreek never tweets about football anymore. Now he's in NASCAR. He just says, I pray for y'all. <laughs> no we wasted so many players. Chickalo, Tyreek. But you know, we had like, we had some decent D tackles. You know, you had Sean Green. Um, uh, you know, I mean, who, who else we have? Calvin Hurdaloo. Her- have- <laughs> yeah. Well, no, what was the big dude we got? The huge uh, guy from Juco. And I'll never forget they had him drop Sonny? on. No. Oh, my God. He was like 340 pounds out of East L.A. Community College or something. Everybody's like, oh, this is Steve Number Weiss 11? or Weiss. Michael Weiss. Michael, Michael Weiss. Weiss. Oh, yeah. this. And he's 304. And they had him dropping on zone blitz. And I remember him <laughs> trying to backpedal. He backpedaled like a quarter of a yard. And they just dumped it to the running back right behind him. Why are you zone blitzing with a guy that cl- he can barely move forward? And you got him backpedaled. It's the dumbest thing ever. Oh, my goodness. So I'm glad those days are over. So back in those days, 2012, I was down at the University of Miami. I was building the Schwartz Center, and I would watch practice every day. And I would watch D'Onofrio just kind of lay into these guys on a daily basis. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a young 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, and you're all in my face, and you're spitting in my face because the way you're talking, and you're, like, belittling me, like, what's stopping me from just punching you right in your mouth? You know what I mean? It's Doing those kids. On PJ Carlissimo, man. <laughs> right. right. I mean, sometimes oh, I think about that. These coaches, you know, again, you're grown men, you know, yelling at these kids, and like at some point, something's gonna snap. Look, there's a respect mm-hmm. level, and you know, not not that I coach anywhere close to that. Just coaching kids is I I went off on some. I've had to grab some of my kids by the shirt, sit their ass down, and you know, I think that's part of just being a player. But when if you're not, because I guarantee Mario's in their face. I guarantee everybody oh, yeah. down there right now is in their face screaming and yelling. But if the results don't match the attitude and the anger, yeah, you're not going to get it done. But I, I think knew, you're going to get that respect though from Mario. Oh no doubt, because yeah. he's done it before. I knew game one of the Al Golden era, we had no chance. That was against Maryland. Maryland, and it'd be third and five, and our DBs are 26 yards off the ball, and they just <laughs> run a hitch route right. And I said, "What are we doing?" Like, this isn't Miami ball. And Al Golden sold that. We had eight guys suspended. Because remember, Ja'Cory was suspended. Um, Olivier was, Vernon. Yeah, like pretty much <laughs> the entire, the whole Northwestern team, because they took a Benny Hanna's meal uh, from Nevin. They were all suspended. That's when they were doing the witch hunt. Al was selling it. I don't How want those outs anymore. I no. want, you know, we're going to lose games this year. But I want if we lose, Mario to come out and go, I sucked. Or our offensive line didn't block worth a damn. I don't want to hear about pillars and binders and, you know, chains and everything. Just win games, lose games. Start punching people in the mouth. Vince said it. You know, if we punch people in the mouth and they we bullied the bullies. Yeah. We need to get back to being bullies. And that's where getting back to recruiting, you start getting, if we get Samson, that's going to be two of the top three offensive linemen in the class coming to Miami. Well, and there's also other, uh, there's uh, Peyton Kirkland. Yep. Technically a guard, not a tackle, um, but that's that's for another debate. But Kirkland, um, what about the other? Who uh, is it? Tinalua, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Kinsler, Kinsler. Yeah, like, a lot. So, a lot of Antonio Trip. Antonio yeah. Tripp's coming in. You know, again, there, there's definitely going to be some guys coming in that are going to look to take some spots. But someone like Francis Magoa, like he's your starter day one. Yeah, like he should so, be. So I've actually dubbed this O-line recruiting that we have the United Nations because every one of those guys is from a different country somewhere across the world, man. I think this is our uh, this is our UN O-line that we're bringing in here. Who's well, the other guy? Did uh, you think uh, about our national title O-line? Brett Romberg was Canadian. Canadian. Uh, where was Shirko okay. from? Not 100% like, sure. 
He's from the Iran, Middle East. Yeah, you, Iran, had, Iran. you had Joaquin Gonzalez, who was uh, Cuban. You had Martin uh, Bebla. You, you had Martin. Well, no, because it was uh, it was Sherco. It was Romberg. It was was Bibla at right guard. I think it was Bibla. Okay, and then you had obviously Brian, Brian, Brian and Joaquin. Joaquin at left tackle. Yeah, and, but and you had it was Vernon Carey as well. So you had a little bit of UN right there. You had some people from all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I tell you what, man. Like we got about two minutes left in the show, and, and it's been a great show, and we appreciate everybody <laughs> tuning in to the Kang Gang show, listening up, commenting. Uh, man, y'all hit that like button. Obviously, we're getting more and more, you know, familiar with the YouTube channel and stuff like that, and uh, we do appreciate that. Dude, well, I we've never, so we've never really, we've never really pushed the show, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like we've always just kind of been here, but we are going to start pushing, uh, pushing the show a little more, you know. Uh, so definitely, I mean, if you guys will subscribe to that YouTube channel, uh, we definitely appreciate it. And you know, I know we've talked about just some great guests that uh, that we're going to bring up, so we can bring up, you know, more content like the the good stories that uh, that Vince brings up, and we have Brett Romberg on recently, and. Gabby, and I mean, we've just really, you know, been stepping our game up when it comes to guests and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to step up my uh, my accoutrement around my house. I mean, my my wife has taken over this. This is my home studio. It used to have a nice uh, chaise lounge down here. So I used to do some overnight national radio, and I'd finish the show at like three in the morning. I'm like, I don't even want to walk upstairs. I crash. Well, she started work from home. Now I've got this stupid pink chair behind me. I've got desk. <laughs> All my Miami stuff got shoved on my wall over here. I used to have just Miami stuff everywhere. What are you doing to me? Well, so I'm going to have to get the green screen like you've got, Bird, that I could put in behind me. I got to get one, too. So, Well, yeah, because your kid comes running up every now and then. And- I love it. <laughs> well, listen, we appreciate you guys listening to the Ken Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145. We out till next week. Y'all be easy. Peace. The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.